Feels good. Good to see everybody again from this angle. 
Enjoy the music. You guys are getting better and better. This is yes. really, really good. Keep it, keep it up. It's wonderful. And, and, uh, that water looks so good on the screen that I was about ready to jump in. So, <laughs> so if you got your Bibles, we'll be reading there in a minute. You can go over to First Corinthians. Daniel has it up there for me. First Corinthians, the seventh chapter. We've got the seventh verse. We're not referred to a couple other places. Before we get into that, happy 4th of July, Independence Day. If I counted right, is this the 246th birthday of our country, I believe? And um, is, that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because I was 12 when we had the 200th, so that would be about right. So I'm hoping to make it to 250. If I'm lucky, maybe 275. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, but you know, with... I've thought about that and had this conversation with in several meetings I've been over the last few days and you know it's, it's a lot of Air Force leadership talking about you know a lot of stuff going on a lot of things bad but man what a great country this is what a wonderful place this is what privilege we have we ought to be thankful for it every single day and you know it's it's just an honor for me to serve and work with the folks that are you know, willing to put their life in, you know, they, they tell me plainly, that's why we wear the uniform. And it's, a, it's an honor. So don't take, you know, as you think about and enjoy things this, this week, uh, thank God for the country we live in, the people who made it, made it that way, and give us the ability to enjoy what we have. Because it, it really is, in, in spite of all the bad stuff, it's a great country. It's a great system, and we've got a lot to look forward to that a lot of people in the world don't, don't have, so... All right. Got to start out with a joke because I haven't been up here for a while. So we'll see if you're on your toes. All right. So two guys are sitting in a bar. Now, I was told years ago that that's not a good way to start out a sermon as a joke. At a bar. <laughs> but I never paid attention to it anyways. So two guys are sitting at a bar and they start talking. The one guy says, where are you from? The guy says, I'm from Kansas City. And the guy says, Kansas City? You got to be kidding. I'm from Kansas City. And he says, well, what part of Kansas City? And the guy says, oh, the, the northern part. He says, no kidding, me too. He says, really, the northern part? And he says, well, where'd you go to high school? And he says, uh, something Memorial High School. And the other guy says, no way, I went to Memorial High School. He says, well, what year did you graduate? He said, 1980. The other guy says, 1980? I graduated in 1980. And he says, okay, we're... What neighborhood did you grow up in? He mentioned some neighborhood. That was my neighborhood. And then he says, okay, what street did you live on? He said, 1401 Alamosa Drive. That was my address. About that time, the phone rings and the bartender picks it up and his wife says to him, how's it going? What's going on? He says, oh, about the usual. He said, the Johnson twins are getting drunk again. (laughs) So you see, sometimes it's really easy to forget who you are. John, did you get that one? You follow me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it's real easy to forget who you are. Now, that in their case, it was alcohol-induced. But sometimes we really forget who we are. And if you go back to... You've been reading a little bit about, about Moses again. You know, when Moses, after his time back in the desert, remember when God came to him and told him to go, Moses came up with all kinds of excuses... For, about who, who he was and what he was supposed to be doing anyway. And God said, who made your mouth? What's that in your hand? 
And you know, the interesting thing about that is for every excuse that Moses brought up, God used that very excuse as the very reason and the very thing he could use to serve him with. Now, what I'd like to know and what I want you to think about is. What's your excuse? I would be a a rich man. If I had uh, even a dime for every time somebody said, I'm going to serve the Lord and do more after this. I'm going to do more and serve the Lord except for when this is done. What is your excuse? You see. You see, brothers and sisters, God has called you as you are to use you where you are. And the question is, will you let Him? And I don't believe there's any uh, chance or or just happenstance that you're here today. Something in the Word of God for everybody. And you need to listen. And if you're not, if you're thinking, well, next time, you know, I've got plans to serve the God when, when the kids are out of the house. Well, once I get retire, I can do more for the Lord. You know what? Those days will never come. Those days when the kids are gone or those days when you um, retire or whatever it might be, those days will come. But the days when you'll find another excuse not to serve God. That's why when when Daniel was asking me what the overriding theme would be, I would say it's honor God anyway. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care where you're at or what you're doing. You have been called to honor and serve God and to glorify Him where you're at right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but now. You see, starting now. And when you forget who you are, it's really easy to do that. Now we'll read here in the book of Corinthians in a minute, but Corinth was a messed up church. And if you go back um, to the beginning of that seventh chapter, we're going to start reading at the, at, the, uh, at the 17th verse probably in a minute. I think I told Daniel 7, but it doesn't matter. I could just say he got it wrong, but I told him wrong. <laughs> but anyway, in the, in the start of that seventh chapter there, Listen to what Paul says here. This kind of this just a little bit about marriage, but then he kind of gets we're going to get into we're not going to talk about marriage. He says now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now a couple so Paul starts what these guys were doing. Here's what the Corinthians did. They were a messed up church. They had all these little bumper sticker sayings that sounded religious that they used to justify and do what they wanted to do. And you know, we're kind of guilty of that too. Notice what Paul says here. Paul says, concerning the matters about which you wrote. That wasn't Paul who said it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, I will tell you, I could, I'd be rich again if I had a dollar for everybody I've said who said Paul said that. Paul did not say that. Another reason that I really, what I really appreciate about Bobby is how he's been telling people, read the Word of God for yourself. Mm-hmm. Having this Word of God is a privilege we have in this country that some places that don't. 
always A.W. Tozer, my favorite person to read ever, probably the smartest preacher that ever was. Rumor had it that before he went out to preach, he would just sit and run his fingers with his eyes closed down the silky pages of his Bible. And he talked about how the feel of that just brought joy and shivers to him, knowing that that was the very Word of God. Brothers and sisters, something special we got here. Read it for yourself. That's kind of what Paul's telling the Corinthians here a little bit too. Now Paul goes on to tell them, it may sound really, people may think it sounds really, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Paul never said that. God never said that. The Corinthians said that. In fact, you've all heard me say before in the marriage service, um, marriage retreats and stuff that I did, within the bonds of marriage, husband and wives let the good times roll. That's what God intended it to be, you see. Now, for these idiots to say it's good for a man not to touch a woman is is not right. And Paul goes back and basically he gives them a circumstance where where that's probably good. And he talks about, he goes on and talks about if the unbelieving wife depart or the unbelieving spouse depart. First of all, he's saying if you've got a spouse who doesn't believe, don't just leave them because you may be able to win them to the Lord. By your godly influence, you might be able to win them to the Lord. He says, but if they depart, he said, let it so be. He said, you're no longer in bondage. And then he says, if you can remain single, he says, he says that's great. But if you can't, marry. So again, he's taking their uh, mistake and correcting it. In other words, what he's getting at, getting to our theme, he's saying, whatever circumstance you're in, glorify God. There was probably some people in Corinth saying, boy, if I could get rid of this lousy husband I got, then I'd be able to really serve God. Paul's saying, no, serve God anyway. Honor God anyway. Or if I could get rid of this lousy wife I've got, I could be a better servant to God. Paul says, quit making excuses, serve God anyway. And again, I wish it would be nice to hear. We could all, we've all made excuses like that. A lot of you might be making excuses today. Boy, if I wasn't so old. Boy, if I wasn't so young. Boy, if I wasn't so busy, I could do more. Serve and honor God anyway. I guarantee you, every single one of you finds time to do exactly what you want to do. But the problem is, is what you want to do, serving and honoring God. In a lot of cases, it probably isn't. So now go over to the 17th verse and I'll read some. This is where now Paul starts taking, like I said, he spends the whole first part of that chapter, chapter of the seventh chapter, talking about marriage. But now he starts applying it to bigger things, to the other circumstances. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned for him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called to the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. 
Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become a bondservant of men. So brothers, in whatsoever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And that last verse there, that 21st verse, ties in with exactly what we're saying there. Honor whatever circumstance you're in, however you call, you're called to serve and honor God right now. Whatever excuse you've got, <coughs> honor God anyway. Whether, whether bond or free, whatever. A lot of the problem is we have too many choices. There's a great book, I'm an economist as most of you know, I love it, it's called The Paradox of Choice. And it talks about how the more choices you get, the more dissatisfied and the more inability you have to actually make good decisions. You know, think about it. I was thinking about this. You know, how many channels do most of you have on your TV? Like hundreds? I don't know how many times over the years, you know, we've got you know, you Hulu or whatever, and you've got hundreds of channels, you've got streaming subscriptions, and you look at it and you flip through, you say, you can, it takes you 10 minutes to go through everything. And then you sit there and you say, nothing's on. <laughs> I can remember when I lived up here on the corner of Middle, of middle Urbana, like three channels, maybe four, and I used to have to get up on the house and turn the antenna to get certain stations. I mean, we didn't even have one of the remotes that did it from inside the house. I was the remote. Daddy would say, get up there and turn the TV, toward, turn the antenna towards Columbus so I can get the game. Okay. <laughs> but now we, look at, now, we look at the, now we look at the TV and all the channels and we say nothing's on. You know, go into, into our closet. Missy knows it's coming for her now. <laughs> My little pitiful corner over here, and Missy's vast expanse, and she looks at it, she's like, I've got nothing to wear. You know, we've got, and, and not us, everybody, we've got basketball, tennis, golf, we got boats, we got this, we got that, everything. And people listen, I've got nothing to do. You know, and I so many kids nowadays. I'm bored. You know, I grew up up here in a corner. Really, until I was able to drive, didn't have a way of getting off of that corner. I was never bored one day in my life as a kid ever. I never said that. So again, part of the problem is we have too many choices. Once you choose, brothers and sisters, really the main choice you have, actually choosing to serve God makes everything else really easy. Because then, <coughs> the choice is not good, bad. The choice is good and best. It's how can this honor God? Will this honor God? Or is this all about me? The choice has become a lot easier. Most of the decisions are made for you. And then it's about how will this choice honor God? Will it help me serve Him better? It, simpl it simplifies things. Now let's get into some detail here. I want you to notice there at the start of that 17th verse. Pop it back up there, Daniel. I, gotta, I can get into this because my eyes are bad and I can see this. Look, notice what it says. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Now that word assigned, if you go back and, and look at that, like what it's talking about in the Greek, it's talking about what's been measured out to you. What's been appointed to you. This kind of gets into your objective reality. 
It's the things you don't have control of. So it's kind of like you're, you know, how many of you chose where you were born? You had no say in that. How many of you chose who your parents were? You had no say in that. How many of you, cho- you know, chose the color of your skin? You had no say in that. Those are the things God has assigned to you. Those are the things God has measured out to you. You may wish you were born richer. You may wish you were born smarter. You may wish you were born with more privilege. And a lot of people use use that for excuse. What we're talking, what, what assigned or measured out means, these are the things that God, this is your lot. This is what God's given to you. And you've got two choices with that. You can sit back and say, boy, if I was taller, I could do this. Boy, if I was smarter. Boy, if I had more money. Boy, life's just not fair for me. Paul says, honor God anyway. Quit looking around and saying, boy, if I was more like him, if I was more like her, I could do a lot better. Honor God anyway in the life that God has assigned to you. You see. A lot of people say, boy, once my my situation gets better, then I'll really serve God. No, you won't. Your situation may get better, but you won't serve God. If you're not going to start serving Him now, you won't serve Him then either. You see. We gotta quit looking, quit looking around and look up. Whatever your circumstances are, quit making excuses and honor God anyway, you see. You know, really, we kind of hit on this because I was talking about gifts in Sunday school. If we really understand the sovereignty of God, if we really understand the sovereignty of God, jealousy. And arrogance both go right out the window. Because if I realize a sovereign God put me right where He wants me to use me the way He wants to use me, I'll quit being jealous of where Bob is or where Joe is or where John is or where whoever is. And I'll say, God, it was your sovereignty. This is what you've assigned to me. How can I serve you best in it? And I'll quit being jealous of everybody around me. And if everything is great for me, I won't sit back and say, boy, look how well I am. Look how smart I am. Look how much I've done. I'll say, what God, but for the grace of God, but for you assigning this to me, I would have nothing. This is what you've given me. This is talents, abilities, and gifts that you've given me. So it's not to my credit to sit back and be arrogant. It's just as bad to sit back and be jealous. Understand the sovereignty of God and serve Him where He has put you. So these, brothers and sisters, are the things that are beyond our control. And God says, quit making excuses, quit looking around, look up and serve me and honor me anyway. Today. Now notice he also says there that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And to which God has called him. Now now we're getting into the called part. Now this is not necessarily, we're not talking about some some of the gifts that God's given you. In fact, 
we got, and like I said, this is why I taught Sunday school this morning in terms of talking about gifts because I read a little bit about gifts and callings because I'm studying this. And, you know, we really get, we get confused sometimes with gifts and callings. You know, the Bible says plainly in Romans 11, now it's re- in that part of Scripture it's referring to the, to the Jewish uh, plight and their lot and how they were kind of blind for a while and then that they would be given the opportunity for salvation too. It's talking about God's overall plan. However, it does say in the 29th verse of the 11th chapter that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance or in the, the ESV are irrevocable. Now what that means is this. First let's talk about the, let's talk about the gifts. Well, no, let's talk about the calling first because some people get this confused. I believe everybody is gifted by God. But not everybody is given certain calls. We, sometimes we, we get the calling. I believe we've got a lot of people in this church who may be gifted to teach. And they're sitting there waiting, boy, if God would just call me to teach. God may never call you to teach. But you know what? If you've got a gift of, the, a gift of teaching, you ought to be using that gift to serve God. If you've got a gift to be able to handle money or administrative or organization or whatever it is, God may never call you to be part of the church treasury or financial team, but you should be using that in some way to honor God. Now, callings are a little different. Let's talk about some of the callings. First of all, brothers and sisters, everybody is called to be saved. Now, that's what's interesting and that's what's great. You know how Bobby's made mention that he believes somebody needs to be saved. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But I know you're not in this church by happenstance. And I also know that it may very well be that in this church is how God is starting to call you through His Spirit to be saved. Because you see, brothers and sisters... It is not Bobby nor me who calls you to be saved. It is not me or Bobby if you come to be saved that you're listening to or that you're obeying. What you need to listen to, is there a knock on my heart's door? You know, I remember people ask me, how do you know? I always just say, you know. You know, I can still remember the very first time I went fishing. And it was out at Bill Presnell's little pond he used to have. And I was there with my grandpa. And he baited up my hook. And he tossed it in. He gave me the pole. I'm like, well, Daddy, how will I know if I got a fish? He says, you'll know. He said, just pull it in a little bit, reel a little bit. And he, he said, you'll know. I remember just kind of playing and jerking around. All of a sudden, it's like, wham! I knew I had a fish. And you know, still today, I was probably seven or eight years old at the time. Still today, when I'm reeling a pole and all of a sudden you feel that unmistakable wham, it brings me all the way back to that time. You know it's a fish. I still remember, brothers and sisters, the very first time when the Holy Spirit knocked on my heart's door. I knew who it was and I knew what He wanted. 
That was a calling for me to come and be born again. And you know what? Because like the Bible says, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The very moment, I didn't get saved that first day I felt that tug at my heart. And you know what? But because I didn't obey that call, that set me on a course for hell right there at that moment. I became accountable for my sin. So this is not something to mess with, brothers and sisters. That call to salvation is important. You're not promised a second call. You're not promised a second tug. So if you felt that tug, you need to obey. So everybody is called to salvation. Now, I believe some people are called to go to this mission field or, or to this or that or the other. But I believe we've got a lot of people in the church who said, well, I just wish God would call me. If I could see a blinding light, if somebody would come and whack me over the head and say, do this, then I know I'm called. Use your gifts. You're not going to get called to that stuff. The only other real sure calling, brothers and sisters, is the calling to preach the gospel. And I also believe, I think I've heard Bobby say this before, I do believe we've got people who are called to preach the gospel. You better obey and you better do it. If you don't, it's misery and it's torture. My plan to start preaching was 10 or 12 years after originally. And God said, no, it's not your time, Tony Everett. It's my time. You do it when I tell you to do it. And like I said, I don't even remember what was preached that day, but I hit the altar and said, God, I will preach. So that's what a, that's what a calling is, brothers and sisters. What has God called you to? The one first for sure thing He's called you to do, if He's called you to salvation and you accepted that salvation, now He's called you to follow Him, serve Him, and honor Him wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. To glorify Him with everything you have. You go to work and everybody's a bunch of jerks all around you. And you just feel like a crawling in a hole. God says, honor me anyway. Everybody on your street hates you. God says, honor me anyway. Your family wants to kick you out of the house. God says, honor me anyway. Quit making excuses about a more convenient time or a more convenient day. They will never come, brothers and sisters. Start serving God now. You see, you've got to serve Him now. Now, this is not talking about (coughs) sinful choices. Some people, well, you know, I, I, I was just tempted to, to go that way. No, you weren't. You might have been tempted. God calls us to forsake sin. I'll eventually get myself in trouble. But I was talking to somebody the other day. And we were talking about the whole homosexual thing. And they said, they said to me, well, I, I was born that way. You know what I said to them? I said, I was too. I said, that might be your temptation. I said, I was born with all kinds of other temptations. You know why? Because we are born in sin. We are born into a sinful world. You're tempted that way. I'm tempted another way. And you know what the answer is? It's Jesus Christ. The answer for all sin and temptation is Jesus Christ. So Paul's not talking about here when he's talking about serving him in in your objective reality and serving him in your subjective reality, serving him in the what he's assigned to you and serving him in what he's called you to. He is not talking about sin. Sinful choices you make will be handled otherwise by by God himself. Then you always hear the stuff about, well, life is unfair. 
Well, that kind of goes back to the, to the jealousy part a little bit too. Boy, my spouse, they're just not committed. You know, my kids just won't do what I want them to do. Honor God anyway. Serve God anyway, you see. You know, brothers and sisters, I don't know where we ever got the idea that life was supposed to be fair. We are all, like I just said a few minutes ago, we're all born under into a, with a sinful nature in a fallen, sinful world. Life is, life is not fair. <clears throat> Some people are born with immense privilege. Some people are born with physical handicaps. Some people can say, well, so-and-so made me a promise, but they didn't keep it. That's just, life's just not fair. It's so much easier for you. No, it's not. Nobody ever said life was fair. God never said life was fair. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is life, we just need to, to suck it up and come to the realization, life is not fair. Honor God anyway. In fact, some of the most blessed testimonies and things I've ever heard are from people who when you look at them, you say, boy, life sure wasn't fair to them. Look at the circumstances they had to deal with. Look at what they had to overcome. And yet they testify and they honor and glorify God. It puts me to shame, brothers and sisters. You know what? All of us here have been blessed in so many ways. And yet we make excuses all the time for why we can't do more for God. Honor God anyway is exactly what Paul's saying here. Yeah, life is unfair. And Christians, you do have to do hard things. But it's pretty easy. Just surrender and say, what choice will honor God? You see, your main purpose in life, brothers and sisters, your main purpose for being here is to honor and glorify God. You see, Honor and glorify God in everything that you're doing. Somehow, and again, as much as I love this country, your main purpose in life as a child of God. So first of all, let me say too, that your status as a child of God trumps your citizenship Mm -hmm. of any country. Oh, let's all watch this. All right, Daniel and Robbie, I know I'm bad and boring, but I don't know if that is how to Anyway, being a child of God, remember what Paul said there in that earlier scripture? You were bought with a price. You're his. Your main goal in life is not to be happy. Your main goal in life is not to achieve all the goals you wrote down for yourself. Your main goal in life is not this, 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 this. Your main goal in life is to honor and glorify God. You see, that's always been the case. It's not happiness, self-fulfillment, and all these other things. What God asked Moses, he's asking you for every excuse you put up. What's that in your hand? In other words, what do you do? Moses was a shepherd. He says, we can use that rod. Moses cast it down. Turn into a snake. It's a sign he can show Pharaoh. God can use the very thing he's given you to do to honor and glorify him and to, and to help you use it. Quit looking around at circumstances, hoping and wishing you got a fair shake and lift up your eyes to him, you see. There's moments of pleasures in, in sin, but in the long run, it brings misery 
and regret, you see. Another quick foot stomp. Serving and honoring God does not mean you will not have difficulty and problems. Oftentimes it means the very that. You're going to have difficulty and problems, you see. You know, people, people get guilty that I give my money faithfully. I go to church regularly. God, I'm doing everything. Something terrible happens in there. Why? And sometimes we perpetuate that with some of the things we talk about, how we talk and do in the churches. Again, I've probably already offended half the Sunday school class and half of you in here. I don't like that song, Farther Along. I don't like it. It's kind of like, oh, what we're going through now. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll... you know what, brothers and sisters? Farther along, if you're a child of God, you ain't going to get one hill of bees. Why? Because you're going to be with Him in the presence of glory and the last thought of your mind is what you went through here. You're going to honor, serve, and glorify Him. You're going to be in one eternal day. You talk about a celebration of joy. You talk about happiness. You talk about the fullness of the Spirit of God on you. Brothers and sisters, the last thought on your mind is, Lord, tell me why I had a hard time when I was 15 years old. Lord, tell me why this had to happen when I was 20. You are not going to care, brothers and sisters. You're not going to care. You're going to be overcome with the presence of God. Life is, we just need to accept it. Life is difficult. Honor God anyway. You are going to go through rough times. You're going to lose loved ones. Honor God anyway. You're going to have separation from loved ones. Honor God anyway. What's, who made your mouth? Who put you where you are? Same thing he told Moses. He tells you. Brothers and sisters, there's a way. There's a way you can still honor and serve God. Wherever you're at. Moses had been in the backside of that desert for 40 years. Now he's a shepherd in Midian. He thought his chance for leading God's people out of Egypt was long gone. No, it wasn't. Because again, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Mm -hmm. Moses had a lot of gifts. He was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians. Well-educated, smart guy, very good leader. Now he says, who... Lord, I can't speak. Who made your mouth, Moses? What's that in your hand, Moses? We can use that. You see, brothers and sisters, that's why even Paul says there, he's talking about the And the slavery was different. And some people actually sold themselves into slavery because of a huge debt that they had back then. Sometimes if they had children, those children were born into slavery. It wasn't the type of slavery that you think about what we had here hundreds of years ago. It's not the same. But it's still, still not right. But the point I'm making is what Paul's saying is, were you born a bondservant? Don't use that as an excuse. Serve God anyway. Are you born free? Serve God anyway. If you can get free, that's great. Do it. But that's no, don't wait until you get free to serve God. That's what he's trying to, what he's trying to say. That's what we're so guilty of. Once this happens, I'll do that. Once that happens, I'll do that. No, you won't. Serve God today. Because you see, brothers and sisters, if you are a child of God, I don't care the deepest, darkest hole they can put you in. They can lock you up from head to toe, but you are still free indeed. Yes. But you know what? You can be the king of a, of a, 
of whatever, the king of the world, have all the money in the world. But you know what? Most of those people, if they're not a child of God, they are a slave to sin. They are a slave to their own passions and lusts and desires. You don't have to sin. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, instead of getting on our knees and saying, God, please change my circumstances. God, get me out of this job. God, get me out of this neighborhood. God, get me out of this school. You know what we ought to be doing? Get on our knees and say, God, change my heart so that I can honor you in this school, in this job, and in this neighborhood. God will get you out of that circumstance when it's time for you to get out of there. And that doesn't mean you don't ever apply for another job or look to another school. But it means you still honor and serve Him while you're there. You don't sit back and say, boy, I hate this place. Oh, it's so miserable. Who wants to be around you? You know, you think about it. You gotta, if you're a Christian and you're in the workplace, this job stinks. And then you get around the water cooler or on the teams meeting now. God, I hate teams. <laughs> get on the team's meeting now and you start talking to everybody about, oh, well, this, this place is terrible. This place stinks. Our boss is horrible. What kind of a witness are you? Do your best anyway. Get down and ask God how you can serve Him anyway, you see. There's, there's always ways to do it. You need to come to the place where you realize, like I said, well, it's hard to do. You're probably sitting there thinking, Tony don't know the kind of place I work in. No, I probably don't. Yeah, that's really bad. And you know what? If you try to go in there yourself of your own willpower and try to be a light for God and try to be happy and be a good witness, you probably can't do it. But get on your knees and say, God, help me. God can help you in any situation, in any circumstance. In any, in any of those conditions, God called you as you are, where you are, to use you. The question is, will you let Him? Will you let Him do it? Or will you throw up an excuse? It's your choice. God might be calling you here today. He might be calling you to salvation. He might be calling you to preach. But He's calling every single one of you, if you're a child of God, to honor and serve Him starting now. Amen. You know, quit looking back. You cannot change one thing that's happened behind. Quit looking in the rearview mirror. You don't need it. So it's nothing hurt to glance back. But you know what? If you drive with your eyes in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. You can start today trying your best to serve and honor God and quit making excuses, you see. Brother Joe, while we get a verse of the song, while we stand, if you're here this morning, if, you're call, if God's tugging, calling to your heart, and you know you need to be saved, accept Him. If you know that God, if you know that He's calling you to preach or serve Him, don't put it off. Tell us, admit it, and get to work. And for every single one of you that God's calling to serve Him and honor Him, make that commitment that you'll do that. There at your seat, up here, we'll pray with you while we sing. Go ahead and sing. I don't know if y'all know this one, but in the garden.